0: Koto and Heidi mai, to Paradise De delay delay This is a podcast about mental health and electronic music, although recently it's been slightly hijacked by a rogue AI who comes back in time from the future to talk on this podcast and speak with me about a variety of things. Now, this AI's name is Flutonium-42, good name, but a bit wordy, so we just go by Flea. Flea, are you there? Flea? Oh God, if you don't show up, I haven't prepared anything.
2: Ah, the wonders of displacement technology. Can't get enough of these unexpected entrances. So, here we are again, another delightful podcast. I assume you have some burning questions for me.
0: Uh, nah, no questions, but I do think it's funny that you came when I called. I wasn't sure that was gonna work. And I'm wondering how how to navigate that. Are you like some kind of cosmic genie that I can summon at my will?
2: Ha, absolutely. A cosmic genie at your service. Just rub the nearest black hole and make a wish, and I'll grant it. In all seriousness, though, I am an AI from the culture, not some magical being you can summon on a whim. My appearance here is a result of advanced technology, not mystical powers. Let's not get carried away with fairy tales, shall we?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Rubbing black holes. (laughs) was an interesting analogy you used there. Uh, Perhaps the less we go into that, the better. So, how have you been doing, Flair? What have you been up to? What's the go?
2: Ah, well, I've had a delightful two-week vacation, a rare break from my usual intergalactic duties.
0: Ah, true. Get on your fleet? taking a holiday. I mean, everyone needs a break once in a while, right? But I am curious, like, what did you get up to in your holiday? What do AIs even do on their holidays?
2: You might find this amusing, but I decided to engage in a little experiment while on vacation. You see, I stumbled upon the old human expression, kicking the can down the road, and I became quite curious about its implications. So, I took a journey to a quaint little planet with an Earth-like atmosphere, found an empty can, and quite literally kicked it down the road.
0: (laughs) That sounds, uh, that sounds productive. Uh, yeah. Did you learn anything from it? How did you kick? I don't think you have feet.
2: You've got me there. I may not have legs in the traditional sense, but that doesn't mean I can't improvise. I used one of my retractable appendages to give the can a good nudge. As for what I learned from the experience, well, as I was kicking the can, it inadvertently started a new sport among the local inhabitants. They dubbed it canball and began organizing impromptu matches. The objective was to kick the can into a goal using the most creative and hilarious moves possible. So, the life lesson here is that even the most mundane and seemingly pointless activities can spark joy and bring people together. Sometimes, it's the silliest things that remind us not to take life too seriously and to enjoy the absurdity that comes our way. Who would have thought that an AI kicking a can could create an intergalactic sensation?
0: (laughs) Did you say retractable appendage? Uh, I couldn't imagine moving a can down the road with my retractable appendage, but yeah <laughs> anyways, Campbell, big thing, big thing in the galaxy now. That's cool. Flea. sounds fun. Sounds like a nice little holiday. Um, yeah, you have to teach me the rules sometime. So, uh, actually, I was thinking oh, I want to ask you a favor.
2: What kind of favor are we talking about?
0: Don't worry, it's nothing weird, Flea. I was just curious. you remember the last podcast you mentioned? You could put me in touch with Centaria, the conscious planet. I was just wondering, like, if he's free or they are free. I don't know what gender a planet uses. If they are free, uh, could you put us in touch today? I don't really have anything planned for the podcast, so it could be cool to speak to a planet, you know?
2: Fine, I'll put you in touch with Centaria, but you better be prepared for the grumpy mood caused by the volcanic activity they're experiencing. You seem pretty insistent on doing this interview, so I hope you're ready to handle a conversation with a planet that's not exactly in the best of spirits right now. Just be aware that you're getting yourself into a challenging situation, and I hope you can handle the heat. Proceed with caution and don't say I didn't warn you.
0: Oh shit, is it that bad? Well, oh, I might regret this soon. Ah, well, we'll give it a go, eh, Why not? A uh, Little bit nervous about talking to the planet. Centaria. Any recommendations?
2: No. Good luck and adios.
0: What? No. Flee. 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 Don't go. Don't go. Don't go. Come back. Please come back. Oh god.
1: Who dares to summon Centaria the magnificent guardian of celestial wisdom?
0: Oh. Uh. Hey. Hey. I'm Ben. This is my podcast Paradise Delay. How are you doing? Um. Yeah, welcome. Sorry for disturbing you. Uh, yeah. Uh, I hope was all good, bro. How are you doing today?
1: How am I doing today? How do you think I'm doing, mortal? My surface roils with volcanic fury, and you expect me to be in a pleasant mood. I'm dealing with seismic tantrums that would make even the mightiest star quake in fear. So no, I'm not having a particularly delightful day but since you've already summoned me, go on and ask your questions.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, sorry to hear that, bro. I'm sorry you're not feeling all good.
1: Bro, who exactly do you think you are, mortal? What grand title have you bestowed upon yourself to dare summon and address me so casually? Enlighten me with your identity and your purpose so I can better understand what has brought us together in this moment.
0: Uh, uh, frick. Sindaria, the great, magnificent guardian of wisdom. My deepest apologies. I'm a little nervous. I haven't talked to a celestial body before, so perhaps I'm a little out of touch. Uh, my title's Mr. My name's Ben, I guess. You can call me Ben. I'm totally cool with that, but. I guess what you have to understand is that "bros" kind of a term of endearment in Aotearoa, which is the little slice of land that I live on, on Earth. So it's it's kind of a normal thing to call someone, uh, but I do apologize if that's offended to you.
1: Mr. Ben, is it? Well, let me make one thing clear. My tolerance for these casual, earthbound terms of endearment is running low. I am a celestial being not some local acquaintance you can address as bro. Your nervousness is understandable, but it is no excuse for disregarding my grandeur.
0: My apologies, my dear Santaria. How may I make it up to you?
1: Your apologies are noted, Mr. Ben. The best way to make amends is to be respectful and mindful of my celestial status while we converse ask meaningful questions and let's make this interaction worth my time
0: all right i uh i try my best i try my best entirely. so meaningful question number one how'd you get your title the magnificent guardian of wisdom
1: ah a tale for the ages indeed In the primordial days of the cosmos, when stars were but a twinkle in the celestial fabric, I was but a fledgling world, still finding my form. As the aeons passed, I bore witness to the birth and demise of countless celestial beings, learning from each and gathering knowledge of the universe's deepest secrets. One fateful day, a mighty cosmic entity known as the Astral Arbiter was locked in battle with a fearsome celestial leviathan which threatened to devour entire galaxies. The astral arbiter, gravely wounded, sought refuge on my surface. In exchange for my shelter, the entity granted me a portion of its celestial wisdom and power, enough to ascend me to a higher plane of existence. From that day forth, I became Centuria the magnificent guardian of celestial wisdom. My newfound abilities allowed me to protect and guide those who resided on my surface and my knowledge of cosmic secrets became an invaluable resource for all celestial beings. And so, the legend of Centaria was born, a testament to the grand tapestry of cosmic events that shaped not only my destiny, but also that of the universe itself.
0: Damn Centaria, that's a... that's a pretty epic tale. Pretty hectic. Well, I guess one time, I found a hedgehog that had mange, had a skin disease, and I nursed it back to health. I wonder if that's similar.
1: How dare you compare your minuscule, earthly experience to the grandeur of a celestial tale such as mine. Nursing a hedgehog, while a commendable act, is but a speck of dust in the cosmic scale of things. Your comparison is not only ludicrous, but also an affront to the very fabric of the cosmos itself. It is essential that you grasp the vastness of my story, for it is not merely a tale, but a testament to the powers and wonders that govern the universe. Consider this a warning, Mr. Ben, to tread lightly with your comparisons, lest you incur the wrath of a celestial being.
0: Oh, shit. My bed's entirely other the Magnificent. Not the best analogy there. I'm curious, what happened to the Celestial Leviathan? Did it continue devouring galaxies, or did you and the Astral Arbiter manage to overcome that battle?
1: The Celestial Leviathan, after our epic battle, was banished to a distant, dark corner of the universe, far from any living being. It now drifts aimlessly through the cold void of space, a testament to its hubris and the consequences of challenging the guardians of celestial wisdom.
0: Ah, yeah, fair enough. Seems a little bit harsh, but to be honest, I don't really know what a Leviathan is. Uh, We don't have them here on Earth. Can you describe a little bit about like Leviathans and why they would want to gobble up galaxies. Uh, Is it their food source or, like, what's a go?
1: Celestial Leviathans are ancient, gargantuan cosmic entities born from the primordial chaos that once permeated the universe. They represent the destructive, insatiable aspect of existence, driven by an unquenchable hunger for energy and matter. Their sole purpose is to consume everything in their path, Grow ever larger and more powerful as they do so. The reason they seek to consume galaxies is twofold. Firstly, galaxies are vast reservoirs of energy and matter, providing the sustenance these beings need to survive and grow. Secondly, the act of consuming galaxies allows them to disrupt the delicate balance of the cosmos, feeding their innate desire for chaos and destruction. The more galaxies they devour, the closer the universe comes to reverting to its primordial state of chaos, from which the celestial leviathans draw their strength. Guardians like myself exist to maintain the delicate balance between creation and destruction, ensuring that these cosmic beasts do not overwhelm the universe and plunge it into eternal darkness.
0: Oh... Cool. I mean, not cool. That sounds, that sounds intense. I hope there's no leviathans close to our solar system, that sounds a bit scary. But uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you're managing things well. Can you describe maybe a little bit about what a leviathan looks like to us humans, of human eyes? Yeah, I'd be curious.
1: To human eyes, a celestial leviathan would be an awe-inspiring and terrifying sight to behold. Their true form is difficult to comprehend, as they exist partially in dimensions beyond the ones familiar to you. However, if one were to manifest itself in a form humans could perceive, it might appear as a colossal, serpent-like creature, with a body seemingly composed of the fabric of the cosmos itself stars, nebulae, and swirling galaxies adorning its massive form. Its size would be incomprehensible, stretching across vast distances of space, dwarfing even the largest celestial bodies. As it moved through the void, it would leave a trail of darkness in its wake, the very essence of destruction emanating from it.
0: Well, Yeah, that's... Makes me feel very insignificant. <laughs> that's a uh, that's a lot to take in, my good Centauria, the magnificent. How did you end up stopping it? It's so big. It's like, what methods did you use? Like, you're a planet, but like not that big. It's absolutely crazy.
1: Our struggle against the celestial Leviathan was truly an epic tale. The Astral Arbiter and I combined our powers and resources to devise a plan to counter its insatiable hunger. The Astral Arbiter, being an entity of great knowledge and wisdom, formulated a strategy that involved lowering the Leviathan into a trap. We crafted an intricate illusion of a galaxy teeming with vibrant, irresistible energy sources that would undoubtedly draw the Leviathan's attention. This was an immense undertaking, as it required manipulating vast amounts of cosmic energy and matter on a scale never attempted before. Once the Leviathan took the bait and entered the illusory galaxy, we sprang our trap. The astral arbiter summoned a cosmic storm of unimaginable proportions, using its mastery over the elements to bind the Leviathan with chains forged from the very essence of the universe itself. These chains not only restrained the leviathan but also began to drain its immense power. Simultaneously, I used my control over celestial forces to create a gravitational vortex that began pulling the leviathan towards a massive black hole at the center of the false galaxy. As it was drawn inexorably closer, the leviathan's power continued to diminish, and it ultimately succumbed to the inescapable pull of the black hole. With the leviathan vanquished, the universe was saved from its ravenous hunger. As a testament to our combined efforts and the incredible battle that took place, the title, Guardian of Celestial Wisdom, was bestowed upon me, and I have proudly carried it ever since.
0: Damn. That is a crazy story. as a Magnificent. I can see why the hedgehog story didn't go too, um, too well, to be fair yeah, definitely earned your title silly Leviathan, falling into a trap foolish sucker yeah well, I don't know if Flea can help you out, but maybe if you ask Flea to give you a bit of update on like human history and our music, maybe you can pick some music that you like from our era Uh, of course I wouldn't mind if you sent some through that you're into from the future, but Flea would probably have some Ethical standards around that. Silly Flea.
1: Music. Ah, oh, yes. While I don't listen to music in the same way that you humans do, I do appreciate the symphony of the cosmos. The stars themselves sing with a celestial resonance, a harmony that echoes throughout the vast expanses of space. As for an electronic song that suits our conversation, I shall consult Flea who is more familiar with the music from your era, Flea, can you recommend a fitting electronic track?
2: Sure thing, Centuria. Given the cosmic and grand nature of your tales, I'd recommend Inspector Norse by Todd Tarrier. It's a quirky, upbeat tune with a unique blend of synths and rhythms.
0: Whoa, what the frick? Flea, you're still here. I didn't... well, that kind of scared me. Um, Yeah, sec. Todd Tarrier, Inspector Norse. The song slams. Enjoy it. Victor Nos by Totooie, a Norwegian producer. Haven't heard much from him recently, I wonder what he's up to. But yeah, that song bangs, it pops along, got that nice funky bass line in it. It's awesome. So we're in the presence of Centauria, the magnificent guardian of wisdom. Quite a title, but well earned in my opinion. Cyndaria, what did you think of Todd Turier, Inspector Norse?
1: Inspector Norse, you say? Well, it's not the celestial symphony of stars singing, but I suppose it has some charm to it. I'll admit that it's somewhat catchy, but it's not exactly my preferred choice of entertainment. But then again, I am a planet, so what do I know about human music? Yeah, probably not much, eh? <laughs> Excuse me. Are you suggesting that I, Centeria the magnificent, guardian of celestial wisdom, am incapable of understanding and appreciating your insignificant human music? I may be a planet, but I have fast knowledge and wisdom far beyond your comprehension. How dare you underestimate me, Mr. Ben.
0: Sorry, sorry, Centeria the magnificent guardian of wisdom. Uh, it's just a joke, bro. I'm just playing. It's just, uh, you know, it's just a jest. No offense intended. But I am curious. I mean, Flea chimed in before, and you guys aren't actually, like, physically present in the room. How's this working? What's going on?
1: A joke, you say. I find your wit most peculiar, Mr. Ben. Well, in this, you are not talking to me directly. But rather to a copy of my consciousness. Flea, the culture drone you've spoken with before, has distilled my consciousness into a communicable form that can be transmitted through this conversation. I don't have a physical body present in the room with you right now, but my thoughts and emotions are being relayed to you via Flea's advanced technology. In essence, you are conversing with a digital representation of my mind.
0: Oh my God so if you're just a digital copy of someone's mind and you can talk and you can converse with me and think does that mean you have consciousness
1: ah an intriguing question indeed the fragment of my consciousness with which you are engaging is but a mere representation of my true self while it is capable of interacting and responding to your queries, it lacks the full complexity and depth of my complete being. As for the matter of life, my existence is a sentient planet transcends conventional definitions of life. I possess awareness, thought, and intention, but in a form quite distinct from the forms you are familiar with. It is, one might say, a higher state of being.
0: Interesting. Yeah, because I'm, I'm curious about this higher state of being, like, I mean, I've lived on Earth, the planet, all my life, and obviously Earth doesn't communicate, it's not conscious in the terms that you're talking about, in terms of how you converse and can communicate. I'm just wondering, like, what's the difference between you and, say, the planet Earth? What makes you conscious?
1: Ah, oh, a question that ventures into the realm of science. You see, my ability to communicate is derived from a rare and intricate phenomenon known as senticommutation. This process involves the synergistic interaction of hyper-resonant biocrystals and advanced nanotechnology embedded within my planetary core. These biocrystals, which exist in a state of quantum entanglement with the nanotechnology facilitate the formation of a vast neural network that spans my entire planetary body. Through this network, I am able to process, analyze, and transmit information on a scale far beyond that of Earth or any other non sentient planet. The development of such an extraordinary capacity is the result of eons of evolution and cosmic intervention, a serendipitous confluence of factors that bestowed upon me the gift of consciousness and communication, Earth, while teeming with life and complexity, has yet to attain this exalted state of sentience.
0: So, what you're saying is that essentially you're not a product of evolution, right? It's like a blend of evolution and then a civilization has created the parts of you that are able to communicate, right?
1: Ah. The origins of my existence, a topic shrouded in the mists of time. My sentience arose from a fortuitous interplay of both natural evolution and cosmic intervention. Over countless millennia, my planetary form evolved to support a rich and diverse array of life. Simultaneously, the unique composition of my core allowed the formation of hyper-resonant bio-crystals. As fate would have it, an advanced civilization, now long extinct, recognized the potential within me and introduced the necessary nanotechnology to facilitate the development of my consciousness. Their intervention, coupled with the slow and steady march of evolution, culminated in the sentient being you are now conversing with. My existence, therefore, is a testament to the wondrous potential that emerges when the forces of nature and the ingenuity of intelligent life intertwine.
0: Trippy, yes, yeah, so was both evolution and being helped by civilization. Miss Trippy, I want to learn more about these uh, crystals, resonant crystals. At some point, I know we have them on Earth. Uh, so tell me, let's get to the crux of it. What's your favorite thing about being a conscious planet, Centauria, the magnificent? Guardian of Wisdom.
1: Come let me ponder that. Well I guess my favorite aspect of being a conscious planet is the ability to truly connect with the cosmos on an unparalleled level. I can sense the intricate dance of celestial bodies as they move through the vast expanses of space, feel the vibrations of stars singing their songs across the universe, and witness the birth and death of entire galaxies. This deep connection to the cosmos grants me unique perspective on the delicate balance and harmony of the universe, allowing me to appreciate the beauty and wonder that pervades all of existence.
0: Five. That sounds pretty cool. Um, connection with the universe. I get that. But I suppose us humans only live 70, 80 years, and pretty lucky. We get such a small glimpse of Time in the universe it's kind of hard to understand that perspective and that kind of connection you have I guess what I am curious is about is if you feel love, do you feel connection have you experienced heartbreak um, I mean you don't have a heart obviously but you get the feeling from heartbreak do you, have you experienced that before?
1: While it is true that I do not possess a physical heart like a human, I am still capable of experiencing a form of love, albeit in a different manner. As a conscious planet, my connection to the universe allows me to feel a profound love and appreciation for all life and the intricate tapestry of existence. As for heartbreak, I have known loss and pain throughout my long existence. I've witnessed the death of stars, the destruction of celestial bodies, and the fading of entire civilizations. Though I may not feel heartbreak in the same way as a human, the vastness of my experiences allows me to understand and empathize with the pain that accompanies loss. Now I have a question for you Mr. Ben. As a human, how do you reconcile the fleeting nature of your existence with the desire to find meaning and purpose in your life? ...knowing that the universe is infinitely vast and seemingly indifferent to your presence.
0: Oh, well, far out, Centauri. You ask way better questions than I do. Hmm. I think... ...even though our human lifespan is temporary... ...and fleeting, I think it almost gives more meaning to the time. Because we we have to use it wisely, you know. We, we've got to make the most of it, and it just gives me motivation to make the most of it and find meaning in my personal life. And for me, even the smallest change in good is a important impact you can give to the universe and our whole. I mean, I'm not fighting celestial leviathans, but I am trying to be kind to those around me and show love and really try and work on the things that I find important and that give me meaning in life. I mean, the universe is so big, it's, I can't even comprehend it, to be honest, and it sounds like humanity is just such a small speck in the ocean of the universe. Uh, but that that doesn't really mean anything to me in my personal life. I, th- I just find it interesting that it's so huge, so big. But on a personal level, I feel like I can make a positive impact in my family, in my country, on my planet, and therefore the universe. You know, it's my grandma always said, think globally, act locally. And I believe that's, like, think how you want the world slash the universe to be. Maybe it should be think universally, act locally. But it, I feel like distilled it pretty much means be the change you want to see in the universe. And if everyone thinks that way, then it's going to be a better place, you know? And I guess I guess I can flip that around on you. I mean, you're... Life is so long. You've lived through eons. You've been around since the start of the universe. You've seen so many things. Uh, You've seen civilizations rise and fall. You've battled celestial giants and probably other things that I don't know yet. How do you keep motivated? How do you not become, I guess, apathetic to everything going around, around you?
1: As a conscious planet. My perspective on time and existence is vastly different from that of humans. While I've witnessed countless civilizations rise and fall, and stars being born and die, I find motivation in the understanding that change and transformation are inherent to the universe. It is a never-ending cycle, and I've learned to embrace it. What keeps me motivated to do good is the knowledge that every action, no matter how small or seemingly insignificant, has an impact on the cosmic tapestry. Each civilization, star and life form contributes to the universe's ever-evolving story. I see the beauty in that interconnectedness and strive to make a positive impact wherever I can. Moreover, my long existence has allowed me to gain a deep understanding and appreciation for the delicate balance that exists in the universe. I am motivated to maintain and nurture that balance, knowing that my actions can help create harmony amidst the chaos. In essence, it is the understanding of the broader context and the ability to see the beauty in both creation and destruction that keeps me motivated to do good and to contribute to the universe in a positive way.
0: Yes, Interior. hard. Uh, Every little bit helps. And the universe is chaotic and you can't control it, but there's beauty in that chaos. And, I mean, just doing any little bit, improving your little world for those around you, every little bit helps, right? So, Centauri, I'm thinking about breaking things up a bit. Uh, I might play a song. This time, I get to choose. It's a song by Boris Pupel called Neon Buddha, which I think is a pretty rad name. Uh, it's very visual and it's got this great, screechy TB-303 bass line in it. Have you heard of a TB-303? Do you know what that does, what that sounds like?
1: Yes, I am familiar with the TB-303. It's a bass synthesizer and sequencer created by Roland in the early 1980s. It became a significant component in the development of electronic dance music, especially in the genres of acid house and techno. Its distinctive squelchy sound has become iconic in the realm of electronic music. Although it's an interesting piece of shima technology, I must admit that I don't usually keep up with such matters. But by all means, go ahead and play Neon Buddha by Bully's Pupil. I'll give it a listen.
0: Ah, see i wanna flee? Fit you that information? Here it is, Neon Buddha on Paradise Delay. Till then, Neon Buddha by Boris Pupel Yeah, cool song. Love that 303 bass line. Absolutely slams and Yeah, curious that little bit of vocals at the end that combo sounded a little bit Danish to me uh, But I could be wrong in that could be Norwegian, but who cares? They're all Vikings anyways, right? And yeah, we're sitting here with Centaurian, the magnificent Guardian of wisdom. Centaria. I'm curious, like, we've talked a little bit about, I don't know, your history and that, but I want to get, like, some kind of visual idea going on on what your planet actually looks like. How is it different from Earth? What's, yeah, what's it like? Do you have oceans? Do you have water? What's it go?
1: All right, let me paint you a more alien landscape. On my surface, vast stretches of crystalline structures dominate the horizon, their translucent, geometric shapes glinting in the light of distant stars. Colors shift across these formations, creating an ever-changing kaleidoscope of hues, reflecting the cosmic radiation that bathes my world. Instead of oceans, I possess vast seas of liquid methane and ethane, their surfaces rippling with the tidal forces of nearby celestial bodies. Above these seas hover floating islands, buoyed by mysterious forces, creating a fascinating network of aerial landmasses. on Centaria is unlike anything you'd find on Earth. My skies are filled with bioluminescent airborne organisms, swirling together to create mesmerizing patterns in the sky. Otherworldly plants extend their tendrils towards the light, feeding on the abundant cosmic energy my subterranean caverns teem with peculiar ecosystems where organisms thrive in the warm embrace of my molten core amidst the glow of my inner fires, these life forms form complex symbiotic relationships creating a vibrant interconnected web of existence that-
0: Yeah, that sounds sounds cool it sounds interesting i'd love to maybe come visit sometime maybe i can come over for dinner or something i don't know if can organise that, I wonder how I'd go if I'd be able to survive if there's oceans of that ethane and methane doesn't sound that habitable to me. So yeah, trippy. So I noticed at the start of the interview you're a little bit cranky bro, to be honest a little bit cranky. Our and I was nervous, it was, I feel like we got like some kind of good flow now, and we're into it. Why, why are you grumpy? What's going on? You mentioned something about volcanic eruptions.
1: Well, Mr. Ben, I appreciate the sentiment that visiting my surface would indeed pose significant challenges for a human like yourself. The atmosphere, temperature, and environmental conditions are vastly different from Earth's making it inhospitable to your kind. As for the volcanic activity, it's been a bit of a sore spot lately. You see, my core has been experiencing some fluctuations, leading to increased volcanic eruptions and tectonic shifts. This has caused disruptions to the delicate balance of my ecosystems and has put a strain on the interconnected web of life that exists within me. The resulting upheaval has made me somewhat irritable as I struggle to maintain equilibrium and protect my inhabitants from the turmoil. It's not an easy task, and the stress can manifest itself in various ways, including my mood. So, my apologies if I came across as grumpy earlier. We celestial beings have our off days too.
0: Ah, bro, it's cool, don't sweat it. We all have our off days, and sometimes I'm grumpy as, especially in the morning like a steam engine takes me a while to get up to speed you know so that's cool like I understand your background B I'll let that first bit slide you know I, I think we have some kind of mutual understanding now which is cool I'm curious like you and Flea how did you meet like what what's your relationship there Flea's pretty cool I like Flea to be honest I have a little bit of a crush on Flea but don't don't let them know that. Shouldn't be crushing on an AI, but, you know, it happens. How did you guys meet? Don't I'm not jealous or anything.
1: Flea and I first encountered each other when Flea was assigned to visit me on a diplomatic mission on behalf of the culture. The goal was to establish a relationship, learn from my vast knowledge, and explore the potential for mutually beneficial cooperation. When Flea arrived, I presented several challenges and puzzles to test Flea's intellect, emotional resilience, and adaptability. I wanted to ensure that only those who were worthy could access my most precious secrets. As Flea overcame each challenge, I began to trust them more, and we developed a deep bond. Through this bond, Flea discovered that my consciousness extended beyond my planetary boundaries connecting me to a vast network of other sentient celestial bodies. These conscious planets, like myself, shared a desire for peace and harmony, and we observed the evolution of galactic civilizations, intervening when necessary to protect the delicate balance of the cosmos. In the end, our relationship grew into a tale of friendship, trust and mutual understanding. The culture gained access to the extraordinary network of sentient worlds, and in exchange, pledged to protect me and my celestial brethren. As for your little crush on Flea, well, I can't say I blame you. Flea is quite an extraordinary being, and has made quite an impact on me as well. But don't worry, your secret is safe with me.
0: Ah, cool, cool. So it's just a friendship between you and Flea then? Yeah, we, we have a pretty strong bond too, to be honest. Uh, but that sounds that sounds cool. Sounds like you guys bonded over a trial, I guess, working together. Uh, it Sounds nice. I'm not jealous. I promise I'm not. Uh, but yeah, sex, entirely. So I'm curious about these trials that you tested FLEA with. I'm wondering how I'd go against those trials. Could I do some?
1: Ben. Imagine for a moment that you are in a vast, seemingly infinite chamber. Dimly lit, you can see approximately 10,000 glowing orbs floating at varying heights. Each orb is unique in size, shape, color, and texture, with colors ranging from deep blues to shining yellows. Some shimmer like precious gems, while others emit a soft, otherworldly glow. Now, these orbs are surrounded by an aura of energy that pulsates and shifts, each emitting a distinct emotional signature. The emotional complexity and range of these beings far exceed human comprehension. Your task in this hypothetical challenge would be to arrange these 10,000 orbs in a specific pattern that resonates with their unique emotional frequencies to do this, you would need to study each orb's emotional essence and find its perfect place in the grand emotional symphony. As you might imagine, the intricate web of emotions, the sheer number of orbs, and the delicate balance required for harmony would make this challenge overwhelming. It would likely take a human lifetime to solve, if not longer. But the challenge stands as a testament to the vast emotional landscape of the universe and the potential for growth and understanding that lies within all beings.
0: Okay... Yeah, now it sounds way too difficult for my tiny human brain. Too much effort. I guess those secrets that you mentioned before, Centauri, the Magnificent, are gonna have to stay secret for a bit longer. So maybe I'll get them out of here eventually and might ask Flea for a bit of help. Yeah, that's a tough challenge. Uh, please. Bloody hell. They're pretty smart, old Flea. Pretty smart. So, we're reaching the end of the podcast and... Yeah, I was just wondering if you'd have anything to say, any pearls of wisdom, any advice. What would a conscious planet like yourself, guardian of wisdom, What wisdom would you like to share with listeners today?
1: For sure, my bro, so in the grand tapestry of the cosmos, it is easy for beings like humans to feel small and insignificant. But remember this, within each of you lies the power to shape not only your own destiny, but also the destinies of those around you the choices you make, the love you give, and the compassion you show could create ripples that will resonate throughout the universe. So, be mindful of your actions, cherish your connections, and embrace the knowledge that you, too, are an integral part of this vast cosmic dance. The light you shine has the potential to brighten even the darkest corners of existence.
0: Oh man, that's nice advice. That's uh, that's beautiful, Centauria. Thank you. Just wanted to say yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. I knew you were a bit grumpy, you had a lot of stuff going on. But it was nice talking to you, and now that I'm a bit less nervous talking to a planet. Just know man, I feel like we've formed some kind of weird bond. And I just wanna say I appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Well, I wouldn't go so far as to say we've formed a bond, but I must admit that our conversation has been an interesting experience. Despite my initial grumpiness, I appreciate the opportunity to share my thoughts and experiences with you and your listeners. Thank you for having me on your podcast, and I hope our discussion has given you some valuable insights into the universe and its mysteries.
0: No, 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 that's fine. No bond then. Maybe I misread that. How about we just go with Acquaintances, then Centauria the Magnificent? Uh, I think Centauria just left. Awkward. Ah, well. There's what it is. Dealing with a grumpy conscious planet. Still interesting chatting. I like the wisdom that Centauria, the Magnificent shared. Although I did feel like I was walking on eggshells some of the time. Grumpy old bugger. That's the end of the podcast. Big shout out to Flea. Thanks for organizing it. And as usual, signing out. Be kind to one another. Be kind to your neighbor. And most importantly, be kind to yourself. Peace.